If I could, let me draw your attention to a handout you received when you came in. It says serve, and it lists the remaining opportunities for you to serve just for the next six months um, in our various ministries of the church, um, especially you'll notice the bold-faced ones are children's classes who have no teachers whatsoever, and we, we simply obviously can't hold a class without a teacher. We find out that's a really bad idea. Um, so would you make that a matter of prayer and uh, consider how you can serve our church? Because we, we need you to serve our church in, in these ways. And uh, these are due to be filled immediately starting next Sunday. So if you could prayerfully discern that today, and then there's contact information on there. You can even sign up in the lobby before you leave. But uh, let me encourage you with that. Let's, um, <clears throat> let's bow in prayer about those and other things, all right? Father, um, pray that you would hear the prayers of your people now as we ask you to, to meet our needs. Um, pray for those whom you would delight in to serve in these areas where we have need. Uh, have mercy on us in that way. And, and now bring your word to us in a way that encourages us to love and trust you more. Help us with that, Father, by your Spirit, in the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. What if <clears throat> I had special pastor powers? Nothing really, really special. I mean, I don't have goats named after me or anything like that. But what if I could walk out here amongst you and I could tell you what the will of God is for you. I could look at you and I could tell you if you were supposed to change jobs. And I could tell you who you're going to marry. And I could, could tell you what college you're supposed to go to. Would you be interested in that? <laughs> I bet you would. I bet you would. I think my appointment calendar would fill up really, really fast if that was the case. But what if I, um, what if I told you that uh, before I could tell you what God's will was for you, I needed your yes on the table? That whatever I told you, you would do. Without reservation, without equivocation, without Wondering about plan B. You up for that? How would you feel about that? How would you feel if I, if I put that kind of precondition on you? Um, now, the good news is uh, I don't have those kind of special past, pastor powers, so I'm not going not gonna to do that this morning. But, but there's a sense in which um, we all do have the ability to discern God's will for us because, as Sam taught us last week, every single believer is, has the Spirit of God inside of them, indwelling them. And what I hope we'll learn today is that He is our teacher and He is our guide into the very uh, will of God for our, our lives. Um, now... Um, we're in the middle of a series um, creatively titled Holy Spirit. Came up with that myself. Um, 
and we are, it follows a study on the Trinity, um, which is a uniquely Christian belief. Um, Michael and Melissa could tell you, the Muslims don't believe in the Trinity. Nobody in the world believes in this God except Christians. We don't believe in many gods, we believe in one God. But we don't believe in one God that's singular, we believe in one God that's three persons and has always existed for all eternity in a loving community. God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit always existing in a community of love that's now spilling over into our world through the incarnation of Jesus, through the creation of our world, through the incarnation of Jesus coming to live among us, and now by the Holy Spirit being given to us, it's like the love of God poured into our hearts, Paul says. Now, we've seen already as we've talked about the Spirit that He is our teacher. And I want to reemphasize that this morning. Jesus said, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. He will teach you all things. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to lead us into the truth of God. He's also our guide. And last week, Sam really laid a good foundation for this showing us that God's presence has been with and guided his people from the very start. All the way back, he showed us in the book of Exodus, chapter 33, we read that Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, leading them out of, out of Egypt and away from Mount Sinai on a journey. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you've said, I know you by name, and you also have found favor in my sight. And God says to Moses, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. So Moses knew that he needed and the people needed God's presence to be with them, to bless them, to protect them, and to guide them. So much so that Moses is not going unless God goes with him. It, it's that important to be filled with the Spirit and and led by the Spirit of God. Um, and, and Sam last week also taught us that, that the Spirit actually indwells every single believer. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God. You're not your own. Our relationship with God is so close, so intimate, that it's not just that God is with us, but that his spirit is in us, in you, in me. And our bodies become little temples where God dwells. And so it's no surprise then that a, the spirit of God who is in, inside us and dwells us, lives within us, would guide us. And the book of Acts, which we'll study when we're done with this series on the Holy Spirit, is full, is peppered with really fascinating examples of how God guides his people uh, in, in their times of need. In Acts chapter 8, 
An angel sends a believer in Jesus' name, Philip, to a desert road of all places. And while he's there, he encounters an Ethiopian court official riding in a chariot. Watch what happens next on this desert road. Philip rose and went. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. Very important man. Probably a pretty nice chariot. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in his chariot and explain Isaiah to him. And this ultimately leads to his faith in Christ and his baptism. Because the Spirit of God said, run over next to that chariot. This would be like you're driving down the road, and all of a sudden you're prompted to pull up next to this black SUV with dark tinted windows and roll your window down. And you roll your window down, it's got government plates, and you, know, and you hear the, the Bible being played on CD in the SUV. I mean, that's what we're describing here. It's that kind of out-of-the-box experience that the Holy Spirit can bring to someone's life. The Spirit, he set, that, he set this arrangement up. He timed it perfectly so that Philip would be right there when this guy's reading Isaiah. Now, here's another fascinating example from the book of Acts, kind of in a different direction. In Acts 16, Paul and his band of believers, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go in Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So here, by means undisclosed to us, the Spirit is keeping Paul and the guys from sharing the message of Jesus with certain places. Um, and instead, we'll find out if we were to read further, that he's directed to a place called Macedonia to preach the gospel there. And these stories, they're not confined to the pages of the Bible. Christians continue to be guided by the Spirit to this very day which is no great surprise to us because Jesus promised us that the Spirit, the Teacher, would come and He would be with us forever. So the works that He's doing then, He continues to do now. There's an author named Greg uh, Kukul, and he shares this story. He said, I had a friend once that told me about how she really felt God wanted her to go and talk to a friend of hers who was a non-Christian, someone that she worked with, and she was to tell him that God loved him. After much consternation and fighting, she said, okay, God, I give in. And she got up out of bed in the middle of the night, drove to his house, knocked on his door. He answered the door, and she said, well, I just have to tell you that God loves you. She felt pretty silly, he says. But the guy broke down and cried. He had been at that moment contemplating suicide. 
in kind of a last-ditch effort at contacting God, he said, God, if you don't stop me, I'm going to kill myself tonight. And then he gets a knock on the door in the middle of the night, and this woman shows up saying, God sent me over here to say that he loves you. I don't know about you, but that sounds like guidance to me. Wouldn't you say it sounds like? And I would say, albeit a little reluctantly, that's, that's having your yes on the table. If you're willing to get up in the middle of the night and go do what God wants you to do. Um, the leading of the Spirit is to mark every true believer in Jesus. In uh, the book of Romans, it just says, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then the Spirit of God is going to be leading you. Paul has in mind, he's going to lead you to kill sin in your life. The Spirit is going to show you how to do that. That's every bit as much his leading as any other prompting that you'll get. The Spirit of God is within us as our teacher and our guide, and his favorite tool in guiding us is the Word of God. Which again, isn't really a surprise when you realize that this, the Spirit is the one who gave us the Scriptures. Peter puts it this way. He says, No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about the prophets whose writings are recorded in the Bible. It's interesting, Paul, when he describes the Bible, he says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, all forms of guidance. For us. But he says that the scripture is breathed out by God. And you remember when we talked about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, one of the pictures of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was the breath of God. The Spirit brings the word to us. He enables us to grasp it, to cherish it, to get it in ways that we would not if we were not Christians with the Spirit indwelling us. And, and Paul describes it in a variety of ways here in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. He says, these things, he's talking about the message of the cross of Jesus. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. That's how well the Spirit and the Father know each other. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Paul understands that the Spirit is an essential aid in truly grasping the beauty and goodness of the teaching we have about God and His Word, especially about the cross work of Jesus. That only becomes beautiful and makes sense to us by the Spirit. So when you find yourself actually wanting to read the Bible actually appreciating it 
actually honoring it as the supreme source of wisdom in your life, that's the work of the Spirit of God. God is producing that in you by His Spirit. The Word is the favorite tool of the Spirit to guide us. That's why the Bible is called uh, by Paul the sword of the Spirit. That's why sermons are not a colossal waste of your time, typically. Because the Spirit loves to wield the Word of God to bring guidance and correction and instruction and reproof to His people. That's why at the close of our service, we have a time for you to respond in prayer, even to come forward and bow down here as a first marker of your response. Because our expectation is when we plan the services, is that the Spirit of God is going to be speaking through the Word to you. Now, honestly, Is that your expectation when you come here? That you will have the Spirit of God speak to you about the will of God through the preaching of the Word on a given Sunday morning. Based on what we're we're looking at here this morning, it would really make sense to come with that expectation. Um, But as we've already seen in Acts... The Spirit also prompts people apart from the Word. Um, Somehow, he communicated to Philip to go up to that chariot, right? There was not a Bible verse that he looked at that said, goeth up to that chariot. There, There isn't one. You know, somehow Paul was rerouted in his travel plans. Um... Maybe, this, maybe a dream, maybe a vision, maybe there was circumstances arranged by God. We don't know how. Um, this is the near universal experience of Christians who are walking with Jesus. It may not be as dramatic as waking up in the middle of the night and going knocking on someone's door. Um, but often in response to reading the Bible... You sense God wants you to deal with something, to do something. You hear a sermon, and it's like God is speaking to you. You just have a sense that you need to check on somebody, call somebody, visit somebody. The Spirit gives us those senses, often in response to reading the Bible, always in accordance with reading the Bible. If the Spirit has written the Scriptures for us, He's not going to contradict them with any other guidance that He gives us. Spirit guides us and prompts us, for lack of a better term, to do certain things. I remember um, that there's a series of these in, in my life that I, that I recall that um, Just a few of them. I remember when I was in college uh, as a fairly new Christian. um, I was taking engineering classes, and I found out that one of my professors um, was from Iran, and he was a Baha'i. And as soon as I knew that, I knew God wanted me to go and talk to my professor about Jesus. So in as bumbling a way as I could, I made an appointment with my professor not to talk about engineering, but to talk about Jesus and to let him know that God loved him and that Jesus had been sent for him. I remember when I was uh, resigning from my engineering job in Dallas, Texas, 
Um, it was the it was the practice of the um, owner of the company. It's, this is the largest uh, consulted, private consulting civil firm in, in Texas. And it was his practice to do an exit interview with every employee. And I knew when I walked into that interview that God wanted me to speak of, him, to speak of Christ to him somehow. And so I, I thought the perfect thing would be to give him uh, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. So as he talked with me, I, I gave that to him and expressed my hope that he would come to know the God that I knew that was directing my life in a different path as I left the engineering world. Um, and I shared with you a couple weeks ago, uh, chasing down my friend. My daughter called it stalking. It was not stalking. It was chasing down my friend, trying to contact uh, her to give her a book that explained what, what it might be like for someone in a restaurant to have an encounter with Jesus. She, she owned a restaurant. You, you've had those. Times when you just sense that God was prompting you to do something, to speak or to go or to do some heart work in an area. Often, though, we face decisions and the Bible doesn't speak to them. It doesn't tell you which college to go to. It doesn't tell you who to marry. It might tell you who not to marry. It doesn't tell you who to marry. Um, and there's no guidance. There's no prompting. Um, and that can be anxiety producing. But, you know, God's spirit is so sovereign. He can get you where you need to go even if you don't know it. I love this story told by uh, a pastor named Dave Gable. He says it was his first year as senior pastor at a church in downtown Fresno, California, and he was greeting people after the Wednesday night Bible study, and a, a young lady in her 20s came up looking very sad, She's, and he said, what can I do for you? She said, will you please talk with my husband? He moved out from our home and into an apartment with two women. Always a problem. I don't know what to do. Is he a Christian? She said, he's the one who led me to a relationship with Christ. Well, I'd be glad to talk with him. How can I get in touch with him? She said, that's the problem. I can't reach him. If he wants to talk, he calls me. So uh, Dave writes, there's little I could do. I asked her to have him call me if he, talked with, if, if he talked with her again. And I remember the look of despair in her eyes as she walked away. Then he says, Friday was my day off. I got up early. We were landscaping our front yard, and I wanted it finished. By late morning, the end was in sight. It was hot. It was muddy. I was aching and thoroughly tired of the whole project, and to add to my woes, he says, I ran out of ornamental plants, and I drove to the store for more. The first store had the right kind, but the price had gone up. A store a mile down the road had them, and the price was right. I loaded my cart and headed to the checkout. As I waited in line, I glanced at the cashier's name tag. It looked familiar. As he began to ring up the plants, I motioned to his name tag. Is that your name? He said, dumb question, but I wanted to be sure. And he says, he looked at me blankly, going on full village idiot alert, and said, yes. <laughs> and then I said, are you married to so-and-so? And I named the woman who had talked with me on Wednesday night. He looked wary, he said, and he said, yes. He says, I drew myself up to my full six foot five inches, unshaven, messy, sweaty, and muddy, and I gave him my happiest smile. And he said, I said, God has sent me here to talk to you about your marriage. He said, some 300,000 people lived in the Fresno area then. Out of all of them, the first person I had talked to, other than family and staff, since Wednesday night was this husband. <laughs> 
in a lifetime, he says, of seeking to be led by the Lord, he said, that's the most powerful example I've experienced. I've heard many stories of people led by the Spirit to go to unusual places or say unusual things. I always wondered what that would be like. At times, I've really needed guidance and have prayed earnestly for it, and God has helped me. But my unerring, no-wasted-step trip to that husband remains my most remarkable example. He says, not only was I not trying to be led, I wasn't conscious of God's leading. I just wanted the yard finished. The Spirit is sovereign over the lives of His children, and as we submit to Him, He directs our steps. Sometimes He lets us know. Sometimes He just arranges them. The will of God, if earnestly sought, is is nearly impossible to miss. You just about can't miss God's will for you, apart from choosing sin. If the Spirit really is sent to be our teacher and guide, and I I hope you see that He really is, um, the question for us then is how do we welcome and receive that guidance? And I'd like to answer that question with a question. Actually, I'm going to answer it with a handful of questions (laughs) that I want you to think about. These are for you. I want you to think about them with me. We've already bumped into the very first question that pertains to how do we welcome the guidance of the Spirit. Is your yes on the table? Are you willing to trust that wherever the Spirit's lead, it's an expression of God's loving care for you, that there's no better path, no better life for you to walk in than the ways that the Spirit is guiding you by, word, by the Word and by other means um, to walk? Andy Crouch gives a contrary example when he writes, he says, during my senior year of college, I was precariously in love. After a few intense months of courtships, my beloved moved to Boston, and I was desperate to follow her. Good Christian that I was, I decided to pray for guidance, and as I sat on my bed with my eyes shut, two words formed insistently in my brain, don't go. What was this? Clearly, I thought, fears of romantic commitment were welling up from my subconscious. And why would God say, don't go, without saying where to go? I decided to pray more intently. Lord, really, I really want you to lead me. Interrupting my prayers, I heard two and only two words, don't go. The voice, entirely clear, though not physically audible, was neither harsh nor yielding. I stopped praying, since the truth was I had already made up my mind. I moved to Boston. A few weeks later, I walked out of my beloved's apartment into a driving snowstorm, and he writes wisely, she had ended our relationship. Then he goes on, he says, but over the next few years, I found friends, opportunities for ministry, and most delightful and unexpected of all, the true love of my life. And four years later, I was walking through our new neighborhood in Cambridge, and as it happened, our new home was one block away from the house where my college girlfriend had gently but firmly tossed me out into the cold. I stopped in the middle of the street because that inward voice was back, and it just said, Andy, look at what I've done with your life. Look at what I did with your disobedience. I forgave it. I redeemed it. I love you. I am well pleased with you. And then he says, oh, I don't know. Maybe he didn't say all that. He didn't really have to put it into words. But here's the question. Is your yes on the table? 
Will you go and do and say whatever the Spirit asks of you? Or do you want a sneak peek at what God has for you so you can compare your options? Is your yes on the table? First question. Second question, where do you want to be guided to? Where do you want the Spirit to guide you? Do you want guidance for a life of service or a life of luxury? Um, Because guidance, those promptings that as we look at them in the New Testament especially, um, they tend to be very missional um, as they're recorded in the Bible. Philip was directed alongside that chariot, not so he could get a sweet deal on a used chariot, okay? Not why God sent him there, not why God guided him. God guided him to speak to someone that God was working in their heart, readying them to hear about Jesus. Paul was not forbidden a travel agenda so he could get a sweeter deal on another cruise ship. That was not the point. It was the sovereign hand of God guiding him to being Christ to a people who are yet to hear. Every time you read that little encouraging book of Philippians in your Bible, that's the fruit of God directing Paul away from Asia to Macedonia. That's where Philippians live, where Philippi is. So yes, we're right to give thanks to God for every good little gift. We're right to believe that he's good and that he provides for us and gives us undeserved favors like a new job or a glimpse of a beautiful sunset or ice cream. Okay? We're right to give thanks to that. But when that bleeds over to where God becomes just some kind of cosmic coupon app, and if we know God, we get a better deal on a luxurious, comfortable life, We've missed the point of the promptings in the scriptures as they come to people. Okay? That's not where they're leading us. Case in point, think about this. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Mark says in his recording of this event that the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. It's a special case, sure. But if the master is subjected to leadership into such difficult, trying places, how much more the servant, don't you think? Are you seeking guidance for where God wants you to go and to serve? Or are you seeking affirmation of where you want to go? Where do you want to be guided to? Third question. Are you running ahead of God? It is hard to hear guidance and almost impossible to follow guidance at a dead sprint. Okay? J.I. Packer points out a helpful example. He talks about a movement from the last century Uh, They had a rule where if you were part of their group, you had to have a daily quiet time in which one practiced what he calls, it says is now often called listening prayer. That is, one reviewed one's ongoing life before one's divine watcher and noted what practical ideas about things to do and not to do, people to deal with, tasks to tackle, and so forth, broke surface in one's mind. These thoughts became known as guidance. 
though they did not consider that all such thoughts came from God. To avoid potentially vicious self-deception, these thoughts were always to be tested by whether they embodied absolute honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love, whether they squared with the church, church's teaching, that is, uh, the Scriptures, and the mind of others seeking guidance the same way, and whether they were actu actually practical. So far, so good, Packer says, none of this is off-center. So they had daily quiet time to seek God and His guidance for their day. Do you do that? Do you do that every day? Or are you too busy for that? You know, psychologists have termed our incessant busyness um, you know, they have a label for everything. This is called hurry sickness. Um, and there are even little tests you can find that help you figure out if you have hurry sickness. Um, kind of self-evaluate here. You might have hurry sickness if you've ever texted or Facebooked someone to say you didn't have time to email or call. If you didn't see the movie because you were satisfied with the trailer. If you eat fast food more than twice a week, if you've ever put instant coffee in the microwave, you probably have hurry sickness. If you pull up to a red light and quickly assess which lane to choose by the make, model of vehicle, and age of the driver. If you clicked, if you clicked like more than three times this week without commenting on what you liked, okay, all you had time to do was like it. If you've ever gotten to work and realized you forgot an article of clothing, you probably have. If you say, uh-huh, 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 and try to hurry people up in conversation. If when you're choosing a checkout line at the grocery store, you judge which line to get in based on the number of items in other people's carts, the age of the shoppers ahead, the speed of the bagger, and the competence of the, of the cashier, which one will be faster? And if you really have a problem with hurry sickness, then you watch the other lane to see where the alter me will get done, and you're depressed if they beat you and ecstatic if you beat them. If you work on two computers at the same time, if you take the cordless phone to the bathroom with you, if you check your email before you get dressed in the morning, if you push the elevator button every 10 seconds until it arrives, if you walk, physically walk on escalators and moving sidewalks because they don't go fast enough, if you eat breakfast while driving to work, if you view multitasking as a normal and beneficial way of life, if you constantly exceed the speed limit, if high-speed internet is too slow for you, if you keep your smartphone in your golf bag, if you shower in less than five minutes, if you become impatient with the time it takes your computer to wake up or load a page, you might have hurry sickness. You do have hurry sickness. We, we live in hurry sickness, right? Um, when we hurry, what we start to do is multitask. And when we multitask, we start to miss things. We start to miss important things. For instance, they've noticed that the reports of injuries due to distracted walkers um, treated at hospital emergency rooms have more than quadrupled in the past seven years. Um, 
About over a thousand people were treated in the hospital emergency rooms last year for injuries suffered while walking using a cell phone or some electronic device. That's an underestimate because people don't always report that, but some of the cases include a 24-year-old woman who walked into a telephone pole while texting. A 28-year-old man who was walking along a road when he fell into a ditch while talking on a cell phone. A 12-year-old boy who got hit by a truck while crossing the street because he was playing a video game. A bicyclist who was talking on his cell phone and ran into a 67-year-old pedestrian. Here's the best one. A California man who was texting his boss and nearly strolled into the path of a 400-pound black bear. The distracted texter was only a few feet away when he looked up and saw the bear and ran for his life. When you multitask, you miss important things. You miss important relationships. When you multitask, you miss God. Is the only time that you give to God when you're doing something else like driving? Is that all that God gets from you? Is there never time set aside that's just to meet with worship, hear from God through the Spirit in the Word? And we find ourselves on those, when we don't have those times, we find ourselves in a very precarious position. We are running ahead of God. Isaiah talks about it when he says, can you advance that slide for me, please? Oh, there we go. Thank you. He says, ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine, and who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Running ahead of God adds sin to sin. Could that be said of you? Are you, are you too busy to open up the Bible and listen to what the Spirit is saying through the Word? When you listen and you obey, you are useful to God. I found this post in an article I was reading. Your name was, it comes from Tammy. That's all I know. And she says, being a chronic sufferer of hurry sickness myself, I took the steps listed above last summer to find my remedy, slowing down and driving the speed limit and not the nine miles per hour over that I have grown accustomed to was the biggest challenge. She says, one day, one day while I was putting along, a police officer pulled up next to me and gave me a glance. I just grinned and kept driving. He pulled me over. He said he pulled me over because I looked suspicious. Why, she says, lady, you're driving slow, holding up traffic, and smiling. <laughs> so she said, I shared with him how the Lord was calling me into obedience in this area of my life. She said, then we talked for 20 minutes about our shared love for the Lord. And at the end of the talk, he wept and said, I was praying this morning for the Lord to show me why my life is spinning out of control. I, too, will slow down. Slow down, listen to God, meet with him, give him time, start your day that way. Don't run ahead of God. That leads us to the next question. Are you regularly in the scriptures meaningfully? And I am choosing my descriptors carefully there. Are you regularly in the scriptures meaningfully? 
where you, where you have, have time to read the Bible and it's not just a task you check off on your to-do list. Read Bible. Brushed teeth, took shower, got dressed, read Bible. But where, but where it is relational, where you are intending to meet with God and worship Him and receive guidance from Him by the Spirit through the Word. Where it's not just about ideas, new things, new insights, but it is about communion with God by His Spirit in His Word. Not just information, but transformation to let the Spirit apply the Word to your life. Where you read the Bible and your yes is on the table right next to your open Bible. Whatever God shows you, you will do. Deuteronomy 30 says, Moses says, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard. This is God speaking here. This commandment that I command to you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart so that you can do it. The Spirit gives His guidance most happily by the Word. When we get promptings, they are most often a response to the Word, spoken, taught, read, studied, remembered, and are always in accord with the Word. Um, recently, my wife has been reading a book uh, called The Hole in the Gospel, and it's um, littered with scriptures and teaching about why it's important that we care for and love those who are poor and in need. And so she sensed that God was prompting her to lead us in picking up a practice that we had fallen off of, and that was supporting a child through World Vision um, somewhere overseas who is vastly under-resourced in need of education and food and clothing. So we're going we're to pick that back up as a result of that prompting. Pity the fool that doesn't welcome that kind of prompting that's right birthed out of the scriptures, right? God's great concern for those who are poor and in need. That's got the Spirit written all over it. Do you have a regular pattern of meaningful time hearing from God in His Word? If you don't, for the price of a cup of coffee, our elders and our pastors, our women's ministry leaders will meet with you and help you with this. And probably we'd even buy the coffee if truth were told. But we, we will meet with you. Your small group leader will meet with you and help you get these practices in place. One thing I would recommend alongside your Bible is that you might consider journaling. Um, writing down what, you, what you're learning about God and what you sense he is saying to you about your life. Okay? And I know, guys, you think of journaling, you think, dear diary. It's not what we're talking about. There are macho journals out there, okay? Here's, here's one with a dead animal on the front. Um, it's leather, has a dead animal on it. Um, or you can always just, you know, staple a picture of this guy to the front of your journal, and uh, you're good to go. But journaling slows you down. It makes you focus, and it makes you articulate, what, what have I learned about my Savior that I'm following today? What does it mean for me to follow him today? What's he saying to me through this passage I read? So it becomes a listening exercise, a reflecting exercise on what God is teaching you 
through the Spirit, by the Word. That's one thing that many have found helpful. If you want to welcome the Spirit's guidance, you must, you must be regularly in the Scriptures meaningfully. Okay? Last question I'll have you ask. Um, are you regularly in community meaningfully? Community, fellowship with other Christians who know you. I'm talking about community, for those of you who are married, that includes but goes beyond your spouse. Look, your family, wonderful gift of God that it is, is not your church. And if you do a disservice to your family if you try to make it your church. You need community that is in your family and is bigger than your family. Are you making friends in the church who know you and whom you know, who care about you and whom you care about, who know you well enough to be straight up with you if they think that your alleged prompting is just uh, rumbling from last night's pizza or wishful thinking, or they'll stand with you if they think you really are onto what God has for you and they will back you in prayer. Do you have those kind of relationships here? That's what church, that's what church is about. It's about gathering with friends who know you and love you and whom you know and you love and helping one another discern what it means to follow Christ through his word by his spirit. It's interesting in Acts 15, there's this little statement. It says uh, they're reporting on a decision they've made. It says it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. Seem good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They're not sorting out the will of the Holy Spirit by themselves. It's not one guy saying, this is what, but this is a group of, in this case, church leaders gathered together to seek the Lord together. And that, that principle can apply to your life as well. You gather with others and you, they pray for you about job changes, about major decisions, about important matters. You know, Steph and I have come across a situation where we're not sure what to do. We've, we've come across uh, some, a need that someone has, and we're not sure how to address it. So, so uh, you know, I'm going to my peeps, right? I'm going to my peeps to get wisdom. Got peeps? You need peeps, okay, who will, who will give you wisdom. You're not going to figure it out on your own. That's why we're here. And not watching this on TV. Plus, we don't put it on TV, but that we wouldn't do that. <laughs> to try to discern the guidance of the Spirit apart from biblical community uh, is risky at best. Okay? You won't get it right. You won't. You're not that good. But let's go back to our first question. Is your yes on the table? Are you willing to seek and follow the Spirit's good guidance for you? Did one of, that, one of those handful of questions ding you? Did the Spirit take it and say, this one, this one was for you? Prompting you to act on some of this teaching this morning. But what I'd like to invite you to do, we're about to celebrate the Lord's table. And as we come to this table to commune and remember and love and worship Christ, bring your yes. Bring your yes to this table. 
And as you partake of the love of God for you, just be willing, be willing this morning to say, yes, Father, I will follow you wherever you lead. Wherever your spirit leads me, I will follow. Um, because we're about to partake of the great reminder of the great demonstration of the love of God for us. If there's anyone worthy of our trust, it's the one whom we remember now. Because on the night on which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he said, this, this is my body and it is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the meal, he took a cup and he said, this is the new covenant that's in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Do this also in remembrance of me. Would you bow with me in prayer? And we'll approach the table.